There is a, a common understanding between the secular and Christian mind when it comes to recognizing the problems in the world. They both want to see the world fixed. They both understand there is something fundamentally wrong with the world. There are all kinds of challenges and problems, struggles they both recognize. You know, corruption, depression, sickness, injustice, days, conflict, addiction, and anger, hatred, and war. Both they, but they fundamentally differ in understanding the nature and source of the problem as well as its solution. For a secular mind, the problem of humanity could be resolved by human cleverness, education, effort, civilization, and by the advancement of technology and science. At least prior to the First World War. Prior to the First World War, the mood of the Western civilized world was that of great optimism and reliance on, on human goodness. Education, progress, civilization was seen as, as an answer. There was a sense if humanity continues in this path, its future is bright and able to solve its problems. There was a belief that any conflict could be resolved um, by, uh, in a peaceful way. Arnold Toynbee, in his book, Surviving the Future, described the mood before the First World War this way. We expected that life throughout the world would become more rational, more humane, more democratic, and that slowly but surely, political democracy would produce greater social justice. We had also expected that the progress of science and technology would make mankind richer and that this increasing wealth would gradually spread from the minority to a majority. We had expected that all this would happen peacefully. In fact, we told that mankind's course was set for an, uh, for an earthly paradise, and that our approach towards this goal was predestined for us by historical necessity. And then, at the peak of this optimism, the, the, world, the war broke out and millions of people died. And as we know, soon after, the Second World War followed, exposing the capacity of human cruelty. O.S. Guinness um, estimates that in the 20th century, over 200 million people were killed by their fellow human beings, and the destruction has not stopped. Sexual tra sex trafficking, human slavery, government corruption, persecution, addiction, especially drug addiction, sexual immorality, fueled in part by internet uh, pornography, a breakdown in the family, a culture of hatred, war, is now the norm in many parts of the world. Sin made the optimism of humanity unattainable. All kinds of things have been proposed as a solution for human predicament. Time and time again, it's proved that the human condition, sin cannot be re resolved by human effort. Human beings need a savior. This is what the Great Commission is all about. God's loving determination to save humanity and his invitation for us to be a part of his mission. This is it. This is what it is all about. As a church, we exist for this 
task. I don't know about you, but uh, for me, as I, I come to realize that, you know, I am so familiar with this text, sometimes it loses its gravity, urgency, and priority in my life. This concluding paragraph in the book of Matthew, the Matthew's Gospel, uh, and builds his, his, his unique emphasis. You know, the theme in these five verses are spread throughout uh, the book. Um, the, the, the Gospel, as he, as he here in these five verses, concludes and integrates and encapsulating the whole book in these five verses. You know, the, Jesus' unique authority as a divine son, son of God is spread throughout the book. Jesus' form of discipleship that transcends ethnic, gender, and religious boundaries to form a new community of faith called the church is spread throughout the book. Of the book. Jesus' final move from particular to universal salvation offered to all the nations as he proclaimed it in the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus' call to inside out with righteousness is experienced through obedience to his teaching as the fulfillment of God's will for his people. And Jesus' promise of his eternal presence with his disciples are fulfilled because he is Emmanuel, God with us. All these themes are uh, embodied within these five final uh, verses. So Matthew mentioned only two occasions where Jesus' uh, Jesus's resurrection uh, appearance to the woman on the Resurrection Sunday in Jerusalem, and then his appearance at, at Galilee to these 11 disciples. The very fact that Jesus wanted to meet his disciples in Galilee, as Matthew called it in chapter 4, Galilee of the Gentiles, indicates that the gospel is now going out, of, um, out to all, all the nations of the world. And it is here for the first time, those who had been chosen at the 12 are called the 11 disciples. And Judas has betrayed Jesus and hung himself, so he, is, um, he was uh, excluded. We'll be looking at four things in these short but crucial verses. We'll be looking at, first, the workers of the Great Commission. You know, the nature of the people that were commissioned. What kind of people Jesus chose to give this commission? What do we need to be, you know, what do we need to be qualified to participate in this commission? Secondly, we'll be looking at the authority of the Great Commission. What does this mean to us as we engage in the Great Commission? Thirdly, we'll be looking at the goal or mission of the Great Commission. What are we commanded to do? What is it that Jesus commands us to do? Unfortunately, we'll be looking at the source of power to execute the Great Commission. What would enable us to fulfill this Great Commission? So the first one, the workers of the Great Commission. We read in this text that Jesus commissioned this, gave this commission to these 11 disciples. Now, it is surprising and confusing and shocking to think that Jesus gave the responsibility of the Great Commission to these disciples. The mission, which is the agenda and priority of heaven, the mission that Jesus paid the ultimate price for, the mission that determines humans' 
eternal destiny. He gave them to these 11 people. How can he give this mission to these uh, daughters? He, they, were, they were doubting, um, you know, they deserters they, they, who fled away from Jesus at, at the crucial hour. In fact, uh, Mark uh, mentions that one of them ran away naked. People who were not bothered to remember what Jesus has been saying to them before his, his death, that he will, you know, the, the resurrection will happen. In fact, they said, if you, if you remember, when they were walking um, on the way to Emmaus, uh, Jesus, you know, saying, some of our women was amazed. They were telling Jesus, there is a reason Jesus, he was with them walking, and they said to him, uh, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb and early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seven, uh, seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. They were really, they were far away from believing what Jesus has been telling them all along before his death. Humanly speaking, they failed Christ. We can come up with many things that would disqualify them from this great and crucial task, according to human standards. You know, they were not educated. They were not spiritual giants. But this didn't bother Jesus. He, he didn't talk about their past or their limitation. It didn't, it didn't hinder him to entrust his mission to them. In fact, all these weaknesses made them to be the right candidates for this task. Because this mission is ex executed not by human effort, by, but by God's ability and enabling power. They had two uh, strengths, really. One, they show up. It was not their ability that was needed, but their availability. No one can do this with earthly ability. That means that there is no one here who is not qualified for this task. We can't say, I don't have what it takes. This is not for the selected few. It is for all of us as the disciple of Christ. We are called to disciple others. So they show up. They were present. Secondly, they were worshippers. The, the Great Commission is called at the place of worship. You know, the heart of the Great Commission, the joy of the Great Commission, the urgency of the Great Commission is communicated at the place of worship. As we worship the risen Lord, as we get close to Him in adoration and grow in our love for Him, we will catch His heart for the lost world. And as Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, for Christ's love compels us. So we engage with the Great Commission out of love, out of, from a place of worship, not from a place of guilt. You know, sometimes I ask, is it our lack of worship and intimacy with the Lord that caused us to be lukewarm in our engagement with the Great Commission? I wonder. So to be the workers of the Great Commission, we need to show up and say to Jesus, here I am, use me. And be a worshiper, intimately walking with the Lord. That is what is required. The second point is that the authority of the Great Commission. Jesus said, all authority is given to me. Um, so go. What does this mean to us? This means 
all the power and authority of heaven is behind this commission, this mission. All God's power, all God's authority is behind this mission. This is huge. God made all his power and authority available for the success of this mission. This is, this is, it is a number one list in God's agenda. This is the primary agenda of God. Everything that all the resources that God has is behind this mission, behind this, this, this. Imagine that, behind this commission, this mission. This means we go out to execute this mission. As we go out to execute this mission, we go out with all authority and power of God behind us. This is not a task you execute for God, but with God, with all his authority and power with you. This, this, this has a huge implication for the church and for our individual life. This means that this mission has to be our utmost priority. It is God's priority. It's heaven's priority. It is, it is where God put all his resources behind. So it has to be our priority. Nothing has more priority and urgency than this commission. This means the great commission is executed by the authority of Christ. There is Christ's authority behind this message. So our message makes a difference. As we speak, as we share the gospel to others, it will make a difference. It will ch challenge people. It will convict people. It brings them to repentance. It brings them to the knowledge of Christ, it works because there is the power and authority of God behind the message. It will change people's life. It will make people, people the disciple of Christ. It's not our eloquency, but his authority and power that changes people's life. This means we don't need anyone's permission to preach the gospel. The disciples were afraid, you know, at this point, of the authorities. Do you remember they were hiding you know, within the closed doors. You know, at that moment, before they met the risen Christ, hiding away from the authority, and they saw them killing Jesus. They were scared. Now Jesus is saying to them, I have authority over them, over those who you are afraid of. I am in charge. So that's why they were so bold in proclaiming the gospel. In the book of Acts, we see them boldly proclaiming. Even when the authorities tell them, tell, uh, told them to stop preaching, they were saying, who do we need to, to listen? You tell us. God said, go and preach. And we are going out with his authority. So increasingly, the permission to preach the gospel in the West is being challenged. You know, there are cultural challenges. There are all kinds of hostility is growing. We need to be reminded again and again that we don't need permission to preach the gospel. Uh, you, know, you know, sometimes we are, uh, we are so intimidated by the hostility of, uh, and we are waiting for some kind of permission to preach the gospel. But we don't need any permission. We have been ordered by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean we go out to offend but we know that the gospel will offend some people. So we need to be prepared for, to face opposition, not alone, but with God. This means that the scope of Christ's authority is the entire universe. You know, the scene in which Jesus uh, issues his great commission is strongly influenced by Daniel's 
Daniel chapter 7. In, in Daniel uh, chapter 7, verse 14, it says that he was given, the Son of Man, it was Jesus, he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. And then it says, all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. That means the authority is given to Jesus. It is done. You know, this will come to pass. We are sure to succeed. This is, you know, they, they, they worshipped him. This is what Daniel has seen in the future, prophetically. The fulfill, you know, this, this, we are waiting for that fulfillment to come. It will come. It, you know, Jesus will, will uh, we will be successful. The success, we are assured of its success. His authority is universal. So we go out, when we go out with, to preach the gospel, we go out with the authority and power of God with us and behind us. Certainly the goal and mission of the Great Commission, what are we commanded to do? The Great Commission is about making disciples. The Great Commission has one primary central command. He said, make disciples. Now, with three processes, go, going, baptizing, and teaching. The end product is um, disciple, uh, disciple, making disciples. So, the central trust of the commission is making disciples, not converts. So, being a disciple of Jesus Christ means surrendering one's identity, security, and being under the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's not outward conformity to a religion, but inner commitment to the person of Jesus Christ. So making disciples takes time. We have to be prepared to give our time to, to share our life. It is not a quick, a quick thing. It is, it is, it's, it's, uh, it is, it is you know, going with Christ. It's engaging with people. It is having the posture of listening and understanding where people are and, 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 and be available for, for, for the Holy Spirit to use us to, to speak into the life of people. So it takes time. So Jesus spent a great deal of time guiding and instructing the disciples in their growth and now sends them out to do the same by baptizing them, he said, as a sign of their union with and commitment to Christ, and by teaching them to keep what I have commanded you. This means that being a disciple of Jesus was not an academic endeavor. He was not just like a Pharisee. He was not uh, asking them to educate them, to give them just knowledge, but actually to teach them to abide by it, to, to, to obey it, to, to live by it. Um, so obedience was the hallmark of Jesus' discipleship. So the, the, the Great Commission is for all nations. This disciple-making is not just for one particular uh, people, but for, but for the all nations. He said, to all nations, all nations are included. People of every nation are to receive the opportunity to become Jesus' disciples. This shows us how Jesus breaks down all barriers to indicate that all of his disciples, women, men, Gentile, Jew, poor, or rich must be taught to obey everything he has commanded. So he's commissioned his disciples to go to the whole world. Not only to Jerusalem, Judea, but Samaria, but actually to the ends of the world. But you remember 
despite Jesus' command, the, the, the disciples remained in Jerusalem. It is easy to stay within your comfort zone, within your people group, within your city, within your nation. And they, 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 they actually, it was persecution that unsettled them and made them leave uh, from um, Jerusalem. And God used that persecution to spread the gospel throughout the nation. So it took persecution. It's easy to stay within our comfort zone, but we are called to go across uh, the street, to go out, outside of our comfort zone, outside of our people group, outside of our city, outside of our nation, uh, uh, even sometimes. You know, in, in the London context, we have the whole world here in London. We have more than 320 languages spoken. So it is, it is, it is easy to stay within our, our own people, as I said, but actually for us maybe it is taking going across the road to engage with people that we, we, are, we are not from our own uh, ethnicity or our own um, people group to engage with that, but for some of us to go abroad beyond um, our nation. So uh, we are called to make disciples. The fourthly, the source of power to execute the Great Commission. What would enable us to fulfill this Great Commission? See, our confidence to engage in the Great Commission comes from his promise, I will be with you. We experience more of the presence of Christ as we engage in the Great Commission because he's out there, he's it's, it's, it's engaged, he's, he's, he's working. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, this is my mission. I will be with you. I'm with you. Be with me. Let's, let's go together. So Jesus is saying, this is my mission. You know, Jesus, is, Jesus is present as his disciples go throughout the nations with the gospel of the kingdom of God, inviting all to become his disciples. Jesus is present as new disciples are baptized and are told to obey all that he has commanded. Jesus promises to be the sustaining presence that assures us that history is not out of control, that the kingdom of God has indeed been inaugurated, that his very present help in, his, in, his very present help in time of trouble. So Jesus, we are not alone. We are not going alone. We are not alone when we engage with people. Jesus is with us. It's so the source of the Great Commission the comfort of the Great Commission, the confidence of our engagement with others is the fact, the reality, the fact that it is Jesus' mission. Jesus is present in his business. He is with us engaging um, people. This means the work is done by him, through him, and for him. So the Great Commission is not done by our own strengths, but by his strengths. In conclusion, therefore, the Great Commission is given by the highest authority in the universe and is binding on all disciples for all time. No other task comes with the same authority, the same universal scope, or the same eternal consequence. To go into the world and make disciples of all nations is the most exciting, most urgent, most necessary task in the, in the world. We don't have to have perfect paths to take Jesus' message into the other's future. We can't afford to wait until we are perfect and conditions, and I, 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 conditions are ideal to make disciples. Doing what Jesus tells us to do means taking action 
right here, right now. When many of us think about becoming a missionary, we see the obstacle both known and unknown um, facing us. This reminds us that the burden isn't on us, but on the one with authority. What is on us, however, is the obligation to obey Jesus' command. Every disciple called to be a disciple maker, whether God sends you down the streets or to the other side of the world. So as you go to school, to work, to the grocery store, to the gym, live and love like Jesus. Be confident in his authority. Teach his commands. Abide in his presence. While we should be mindful of our, you know, while we should be mindful of our locality, we should also be thinking of those abroad. Hymns written by Jeffrey Rotten um, says this. Lord, you give the great commission. Heal the sick and preach the word. Lest the church neglect its mission and the gospel go unheard. Help us witness to your purpose with renewed integrity. With the Spirit's gifts, empower us for the work of ministry. Lord, you called us to your service. In my name, baptize and teach. That the world may trust your promise. Life abundant meant for each. Give us all new zeal. Draw us closer in community. With the Spirit's gifts, empower us for the work of ministry. Let's pray. What a commission given to us. Precious and wonderful Father, we thank you for reminding us once again and help us to remember um, on this Mission Sunday the Great Commission, the command and the, the assignment and the mission that has been given to us. Thank you for inviting us to be a part of this amazing endeavor, this, this mission, this commission. Lord Jesus, we pray that may empower us by your Spirit. You may grant us the grace to respond to your word, Lord Jesus, to understand that all of your power, all of your authority is behind this mission. Lord, help us to remember that we are not called to go out alone, but with you. Father, we pray that you may draw us in worship, as we get close to you, as, we, as you called us friends, as you share your heart with us, Lord, that you may have your heart for the lost. You may grow in our love for you and in our love for our neighbors. Thank you for what you're doing through Inspire St. James. Thank you for the missionaries out there in, 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 in different countries. We pray for them today. We lift them up to you. And we ask, Father, they may know your presence as they engage um, where they are. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence and, and speaking to us. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.